0: BetOnline continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile devices. Head to BetOnline today to become part of the team, and remember to use promo code BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online the game starts here. Welcome to the Broad Street Hockey Podcast here on Tuesday, February 20th. I'm your host, Brian Gilbert. Joining me today is my co host, Joe Di Marini. De
1: Marini, De Marini. I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Gilps. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. You know, you know, the t- t- tough weekend of Flyers hockey, t- tough weekend of, of hockey. scoreboard <sighs> watching and whatnot, but still in a playoff spot. We still got a, some easy games, one easy game coming up for the weekend. But, you know, it's Oof. it's Flyers in the talk of the town right now. And, and that's much better than being like uh, like some some mid team in the bottom of the standings.
1: I'm not going to say trap game, but we could be facing one. We could be staring one down. They, they let San Jose break their losing streak against them at the start of the season, like, and Chicago has Conor Bedard back, so, you know, I'm not saying trap game, but I will tweet trap game later so that we are all on the same page.
0: Yeah, Bedard. Bedard's incredible. He's back. He's going to win the Calder now. He, I think he had three points, and they lost like six three in their last game to, to Carolina. I think. Yeah. I think I saw he he scored a goal to make it like six three or something, and like he stared down the goalie, and the goalie just pointed to the scoreboard. It's like, come on, what what, what are you doing, kid?
1: I love it. I admire it. Good for him. I like.
0: It. Yeah, I like it, but also like you know, earn your stripes a little bit. Yeah, I mean, in his
1: in his head, I'm sure he's always been on a winning team right like his team has always been really good because he's really good and now he's on one of the worst teams in the league no matter how hard he tries he can't he can't win a game like he could in juniors i bet that gets frustrating
0: yeah i mean i mean he's always been the best player on his team he's probably always be the best player on his team throughout his career
1: he's the best player on the chicago blackhawks right now (laughs) like there is no no contest (laughs)
0: Yeah, so, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I don't think it's necessarily going to be our trap game. We'll, we'll get into the game more later, but I think, you know, sure. Tortorella's in these few practices this week has been very, you know, not enough. He's been hard on the guys, and he's not going to let them have a have a bad loss after after back-to-back losses. No. Uh, but, yeah, but speaking of, of that last loss, uh, we recorded on Friday for the stadium series on Saturday. Uh, of course, uh, Flyers once again allow a goal in the first 35 seconds Of an outdoor game, just kind of a weird bounce off the refs, ref skate, you know, a few guys down caught too low. And then Nico Heischer scores on a breakaway and the Flyers, you know, never recover from that. Uh, What was your general takeaway from the game? Because I know I saw a lot of people was like, oh, this was the Flyers chance, you know, really put away the devils. It was a four point swing. And like, to me, it was people were treating it like it was a football game. It was like one of 17 games and not one of 82. It was played at a football stadium, but there's still, I think, at least 17 games to go.
1: Eagles brain, baby. Eagles yes. brain. Um, it was it was just a drag. They they came out with some serious jump for that first thirty seconds. They were all over the Devils, and then you know the script is written. The refs are just paid actors to ensure the NHL script goes correctly that the Devils win in New Jersey. Uh, tinfoil hat, and uh, you know they kick they kick the puck right over to. I think it was Andre Palat who then springs Nico Hishier and, you know, game just got out of control from there. I didn't think they played too terribly. Like there were moments I was like, what are you guys doing? Like what's, what's going on here? But on the whole, I thought they held their own. Um, But much like the losses a few weeks ago to Colorado, to Tampa Bay, sometimes those high end talented players just take over Nico Hishier fucking sick jack hughes is back he's awesome mm-hmm. luke hughes and even simon nemich they they're fucking awesome like what, what are you gonna what are you gonna do and over the past few weeks timo meyer uh since like the all-star break has started to look a little bit better i think he i think he had like a four game point streak or something going for a bit like he he looks like he's kind of finding that form that they expected when they signed him to that massive contract
0: yeah, Meyer picked up an assist in that game there, and yeah, I, I like. I, I'm with you. I don't think the Flyers played too terribly. No, they got got a few bounces didn't go their way, including that mm-hmm. one off the refs. And yeah, I, I thought the exact same thing. That first shift, they were in hard on the forecheck, they're recycling, and then oh no, it's, it's going another way. It's a breakaway, and they're down one nothing. But on the whole, you know, a few bad rebound goals, a few you know, goals off odd man rushes. That not going to fault Urson too much for with the sight no. lines and whatnot of the outdoor stadium. And yeah, and then like in the third period, it looked like the Flyers had a few chances and they just could not get it in the net, whether you know bouncing around, whether Nico Dawes is actually decent now. He's been pretty good for a few games in a row for the Devils. But yeah, tough loss, you know, but it's just one game in the schedule. It's a Saturday night loss. It's it's it sucks losing a stadium series game. It truly does. Um how did you enjoy your first stadium series as a as a true Flyers fan?
1: Yeah. Uh I was I was into it just because it looked cool, like it was kind of fun to see uh, the ice, you know, in the middle of an arena like that. What sucked was the way they were two-screening like a Gary Bettman interview while <laughs> the game was happening. I was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> we gotta yeah. watch the hockey." Uh, maybe miss like Jim Jackson or uh, just like calling Flyers games. We don't know how good we have it with JJ. Um, but yeah, Flyers outshot the Devils. Pretty pretty solidly too. Um, Owen Tippett was sick. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, who got the third goal? Nick Sealer, first of the season. Right, Nicky <laughs> Sealer.
1: His first in like sixty nine nice games, I think. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Wait it was, a minute. It was, it was a while for him.
1: Was his last goal that absolute
0: just? Oh, goal of the it? year against the Golden Knights. <laughs> There's no way that was his last goal. Um his last goal came against the Golden Knights on, on March fourteenth last year. Yeah.
1: He's had So <laughs> Yeah, listeners, if you haven't seen that goal, that is like maybe top five or at least top ten goals scored last year by any anyone. He danced around, I think it was Shea Theodore and then Alec Martinez and then just roofed it, you know, the total antithesis of nick sealer's play
0: yeah that was that was a great goal by nick sealer if you haven't seen that definitely go back and watch that one but i'm glad you brought up the broadcast because i was gonna ask you about it It, it's definitely a spectacle it's enjoyable but it's not enjoyable when like you said they have Bettman on a split screen i think that was during like a flyers four on three too it was like a power play and a crucial part of the game and there was (sighs) was split screening it and along with that uh i mean max weinberg sure cool he's there play the drums, whatever. We don't need to hear him talking for five minutes after you introduce the flyers and make him stand there before the devils come out and then interview him again during the game. It's just just too much. And also with the camera angles, I, I do like how that they kind of experiment a little bit with the camera angles. Some of them are good. Some of them are not so good but my main point of contention is they were very slow to switch the angles. Like the play would leave the, the camera view and they wouldn't switch it for like two seconds later. And sometimes there would be like a lag in switching it or like a lag in the sound. So it was, you know, you don't want to have to delay it a little bit, but like, you know, sync that up a little bit better. It's one of your premier broadcasts of the season. You can at least do, do a little, a little bit better.
1: Yeah. I I noticed that like, Sometimes when we're watching, like, the NBC broadcast, you'll sometimes hear, like, a stick hit the puck twice as, like, they kind of overlay the the video or audio Mm -hmm. clip as they Mm -hmm. switch angles. This was real bad. (laughs) I was like, oh, damn, that plays all the way down the ice. And then I'd hear a random, like, stick hit a puck and it wasn't even, like, related to what was happening on the screen. Um, No, I don't know. Sometimes those national broadcasts just feel phoned in because... Nobody cares about the rebuilding Flyers and the New Jersey Devils, a franchise that shouldn't even exist. So, Yeah,
0: but did you know the game was in New Jersey? I'm not sure if you, you caught that based off the broadcast. Whoa, really? Uh, wow. I, I might go back and rewatch it. You might pick up on a few subtle hints there. Whoa, that's crazy, man. Yeah. I thought that
1: was where the New York football team <laughs> plays. That's insane. Uh, yeah.
0: Um. So yeah, any other general thoughts from that game? You're still confident in Urson? Are you still confident in the team moving forward?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a rookie goalie. It's like, clunkers are going to happen. Um, I also felt like he got hung out to dry a couple times. Yeah, yeah I, it just, I don't know. I felt like some of the structure, maybe it was an ice problem. They weren't scoring off the rush like they're so used to doing. They couldn't they cannot cycle they're not very good at that um but eh, it it's a stadium series special case if they come out and lose to the blackhawks then then i'll have some problems unless it's cal peterson and net which in which case like you know that there you go i'm not saying trap game i'm not saying trap game
0: yeah, I mean, if they lose to the Blackhawks, that's gonna be that's gonna be three in a row, and then they have the back-to-back this weekend at home against the Rangers and at Pittsburgh. So that could easily be five in a row, and then they have Tampa Bay at home, which you know could be six. So it could just be another another month of streaks for the Flyers here. But yeah, I I'm glad you brought up the uh, the ice too. I, I'm not sure if it was you tweeting about it or another tweet I saw was like, yeah, the Flyers typically get chances off the rush, and they you know this ice isn't as good, so they're not going to be able to use their speed as much. And and we definitely saw that, like the the Devils were able to take advantage of some odd man rushes and some breakdowns, as you mentioned. Morgan Frost on that second goal by by Tyler Toffoli, just horrible horrible off the uh, off the face off there in his own zone, lost his man. His uh, expected goal numbers for the game were not very good. Him, both him and Tippett actually were were down there towards the bottom. So just, just a, kind of a game to forget for a few guys there. But luckily TK, the Flyers have...
1: TK especially. That was that was a boneheaded penalty that kind of... That was the end of it right there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, him and... Who was it? Him and Miller going back and forth, I think? Or no, Smith. Brendan Smith, who then scored a goal, of course, because because of why why wouldn't Brendan Smith score a goal like his second the of the year or something like that yeah yeah, yeah. second of the year for for him yeah. and that made it that made it a 3-1 after the Flyers had made it 2-1 and they thought it could have been a game but no
1: of course misery not. pain and misery
0: yeah, I'm yeah. glad i wasn't I, there that that's yes. all
1: I'll say i'm glad i wasn't freezing my ass off to watch that loss
0: yeah, I don't think anyone of the Brothers Hockey contingent went. I know Kurt was talking about it because he lived so close, but he ended up not going, which must have been uh, a, a good decision because I can't imagine Whew. watching that game in the freezing cold with awful Devils fans just pouring it on you. Could, could not could not do that. No.
1: What a relief for All
0: right. him. Yeah. All right. Th- that's enough about the Stadium Series game. It's one game. They get a chance to bounce back on Wednesday here, but... What's not going to stop is the trade rumors leading up to the March 8th trade deadline. I think we're two and a half weeks away now, 17, 18 days, something like that. And on Monday's 32 Thoughts podcast, Elliot Friedman once again had an update on the Sean Walker situation. Uh, he mentioned that he thought there was a time where people thought the Drysdale acquisition pushed Walker out. I, I, I agreed with that. I wrote about that on BroadstreetHockey.com. Read and subscribe. But he says, now, you know, They're playing poker a little bit. They're trying to sign people, but they're saying, hey, there's a limit, but they're also setting high prices on guys. It's almost like they're waiting to see what happens first. We get what we want or the player signs. And he said, I think in Walker's case, the pendulum has definitely swung to, we prefer to keep him. And he cited the reason being Drysdale not being ready to play defense yet, which definitely, definitely is something we we have talked about that here on the podcast here. And also, obviously, he didn't mention it, but the wrist alignment injury could play a factor in that as well. Um, so the Flyers could resign Walker. Apparently, he's looking for closer to 5 million. Flyers are trying to go in the mid to low $4 million range, which, you know, if in a vacuum, if the Flyers aren't rebuilding, that's fine. You know, Sean Walker's been a, a decent defenseman, but given where the Flyers are at and when this uh little tidbit came out on Monday morning, I know uh some Flyers fans did not exactly react to this rather rationally. Which is understandable because the Flyers have been, been saying all along we're going to sell we're rebuilding. torches, talk talked to players about like okay you, you make a move and that that's very respectable there. But if the Flyers don't trade Sean Walker, we, we we talked about this a few weeks ago. Like I think the fan base is going going to be pissed. But also this is, could just be the Flyers being like okay we have to negotiate with the player because what if we only get offered a third round pick we can't we can't just be like okay I'll give in. He's not. We don't have him signed. I'll give him up for a third-round pick. They can't do that. So, what are your uh, overall thoughts on this update here?
1: Well, at least the fans aren't apathetic. That's a nice. That's a nice change. You know, yeah. Uh, people are back to caring again. Um, like I've we've talked about it, and it's in my mind, it's like a Doctor Strange multiverse thing, where if one thing happens, then another thing could happen, and that could influence another thing, like. In a vacuum, if you just don't trade Sean Walker, that's probably a problem. But if you trade Nick Steeler, the Risto injuries for the rest of the season, or you trade Risto Linan, which we'll get into later. I still think that is a better offseason uh, move to make. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, you could talk yourself into Walker being an own rental if people aren't willing to pay the price that you have set for him. Uh, obviously, as a GM, you have to negotiate. You have to like try and find a good deal. But if other teams aren't budging on what they're willing to offer the Flyers for Sean Walker, Danny can just say, Hey, I may be a rookie, but you can't bully me. I don't need to move him. We're in the playoff push. So then they keep him. Um, Drysdale definitely not ready to play defense. I think I saw on Twitter that he got absolutely chewed out by torts at practice uh, this morning, I guess probably was this morning. I think, yeah,
0: today or yesterday.
1: Yeah. Um, Poor kid, but also, yeesh, <laughs> he's not looked not looked too great uh, for a couple games here. Neither has Frost, but that's another story. Um, no, just if they're going to not trade Walker, something else needs to occur. And again, Ristolainen has term. Maybe they sign Walker because they know a team is going to trade for Ristolainen in the off season, like. Maybe the framework of the deal is set up now. I think it was Chuck Fletcher. I know that's a, not the greatest name to invoke in terms of smart trades, but I think he said that he set the set the table for the Niskanen trade in like near the deadline, and then they finished a deal in the off season or something like that. So maybe there's a Ristolainen deal in the pipeline um, that they're not going to complete for the deadline, but it will be completed in the summer. And then you know, signing Walker to a three-year deal doesn't seem so egregious there's also the chance this doesn't seem likely at all that the flyers maybe some team in june is like we gotta have sean walker and we need to be the first team to be able to talk to him and sign him and they'll throw the flyers a third round pick for his rights two weeks before he hits free agency so that they can try and get like you know a sign and trade deal done before free agency just so that you know they get the jump before before any other team tries to snap them up. Uh, Columbus did that with Damon Severson out of New Jersey last year, I believe. So there's precedent. Didn't work out great for Columbus, but there is precedent for it.
0: Yeah, I think no matter what happens, like the Flyers are gonna at least set some groundwork for for some off season moves. Like they they have to here, especially with Ristolainen and with Scott Lauden as well being under contract, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if, if they move Walker, I, I'm getting more and more towards they're going to have to make either in that trade or a second trade to get back a, a right hand defenseman that can defend. Because you don't want to have Drysdale play these big minutes and just get, you know, beat night in, night out uh, in the defensive end, which is just happening right now. And another thing with Walker is, like, we were impressed much more by his play in the first half. I don't know if that's his play has waned or also we've been... You know, we we're, we, we expect more now. So like when he does have a good player, like, Oh yeah, that's Sean Walker. It's not like, Oh, who's this guy coming out of nowhere and, and doing that? So, you know, he could be losing some value in that way, but I I do think if, if they trade Walker, they can maybe get back a, a veteran defenseman to, to fill that gap. I, I keep look, going to the Canucks. They have Tyler Myers at 6 million for the rest of the year. He does have a modified no trade clause for a 10 team, no trade list. I wonder if the Flyers would be on that. It's, it's definitely possible. But like there are teams like that or like a three-way trade where, where you where you get back a veteran defenseman for either maybe just this year, maybe it's someone who's under contract for next season to fill that Walker gap and not have to have Drysdale and then Louis Baldapidio come up and, and Ronnie Attard and, and all, all those players.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I could see because the money... The good thing about Sean Walker is that he's on a pretty light contract, all things considered. And if the mm-hmm. Flyers retain fifty percent, he's, I think, less than, he's definitely under two million. He might be under one and a half, but I can't remember exactly. Um, you brought up Vancouver. I think there was a tweet the other day that there were a, a several Flyers scouts at the Manitoba Moose. I think that's the affiliate uh, of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, which is interesting cuz the jets are also in need of like a defenseman. Um, and if there's a that. lot of Flyers scouts at their uh, games then we you know there might be some some potential pickups coming out of Winnipeg. We'll see. But you know, it could just be due due, due diligence. Due diligence to make sure that like hey if the jets do come calling then you know, we at least know what they've got.
0: Yeah, I could see something like that happening happening with Winnipeg. Looking at at their cap-friendly situation, they got they got Brendan Dillon, he's a left-handed defenseman. They have Dylan De- DeMello as well. It was a six six team no trade list. Both are free agents after this year. Cap hits of 3.9 and 3 million. So, you know, Flyers would be helping the Jets out there with a lower salary. They do have some cap space anyway. So, yeah, Winnipeg yeah. would be an interesting team. I know Dallas is trying to look make a move potentially. Uh, they oh, don't baby. have like one that, necessarily lines up with that you know bringing back a defenseman thing but the like i feel like if i was danny briere i would trade walker and trade lawton and in the lawton deal get back a right defenseman whether it's somebody for this year whether it's like a younger player that can you know hopefully grow with this team i think that's i think that's probably the ideal trade deadline for me
1: Uh, a veteran or like a young player that is a solution now and in the future
0: Probably, probably more so the latter there, maybe like a 23, 24 year old defenseman, maybe a, you know, not someone that needs a need to change of scenery type. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the Leafs have anyone like that or like, but like the Leafs could could do that, the Lightning, like any of those, those top contenders.
1: Ooh, Leafs defenseman. The only one that comes to mind is Topi Nyamela. I think that's how you say his name. He's a right shot defenseman, 21. Uh, I think he plays for the Marlies. I've written about him before as a potential trade return, like if, because there was that time that. Uh, there was a lot of smoke around like the Leafs looking at, maybe it was the Leafs asking for the entire defensive pair of Walker and Sealer, And it was like, well, yes, what please, could that trade look like? And I was like, well, here's, here's something that could happen. Um, Dallas is an interesting name because I think it's the athletic. They ran an article today about like quote unquote, perfect fits for the trade deadline. Um, one of them for the, da- for the Dallas stars, they said the perfect fit was Chris Tinev, and the consolation candidate was Sean Walker. Um, I think they also ran an article about young players that could be on the move at the deadline. And one of the players that cropped up was Maverick Burke. So I months ago was like, I would love to see Sean Walker to the stars for either Maverick Burke or Logan Stankovin. I know they're not defensemen, um, but you know, the Flyers do have eight active defensemen right now. So they have a little bit of a space on that. The other team that popped up was the Tampa Bay Lightning. Because Mikhail Sergachev is going to be out probably for the rest of the season, mm-hmm. uh, and they need some help. The only problem with the Lightning is that they don't really have much draft capital. But if they're willing to part with one or, you know, one of their B plus prospects, something could happen there.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. Like Nick Nick Perbix is a right hand defenseman, 25 year old. <laughs> uh, on a, uh, I'm not sure if like not not as like the main piece, but it's looking at like defensemen that they wouldn't mind giving up to upgrade for either Walker or um, or Risto. Phil I Myers, Leafs, Phil but, Myers, yeah, baby. I, no, I, I I was gonna bring him up, Br- bring him back, trade him Risto, bring back bring back Myers, and also like we can't be worrying too much about what what's going to happen with the Flyers defense if they trade no. Walker and or Risto. Like if, if the Flyers make the playoffs, great. If they don't, because they trade these people, that's fine. So be it. Yeah. So they could, they could very well miss the playoffs without trading these people. They, they could be like, okay, we're going to, these are our rentals. We're going to hold on to them. We're going to try to build some cult winning culture here and then miss the playoffs. Anyway, like that, that's still a possibility with this team. Well, someone with the Leafs, uh, uh, Timothy Lilligren was a uh, 17th overall Ooh. pick. Back in 2017, so, you know, he could be a, a maybe an Owen Tippett type that they can, gonna change the scenery if they trade uh, Walker and or Steeler aristo up there.
1: They did trade uh, Rasmus Sandin last year at the deadline, so I wouldn't be shocked if you know that wasn't out of the realm of possibility. Um, mm-hmm. Hold up, I just had something here, and I completely blanked on what it was. <laughs> oh, Perbix. Uh, uh yeah i don't know if you remember this but i think that on the old broad street hockey podcast charlie brought up like oh they could just call up this guy named i don't know nick pervix he just was like looking at their roster and he'll be a perfectly good top four defenseman because it's the lightning and they're really good at this stuff lo and behold nick pervix is uh there he is playing some good hockey for the lightning
0: so. Yeah, become be come, come full circle then if he comes back to Philadelphia
1: coming full circle and Phil Myers too um yeah no love it um but like you said if the Flyers miss the playoffs because they trade their defensemen in my mind that's more reason to not trade Scott Lawton now because the Flyers have been doing a lot better than some of the teams below them in the standings who are going for it Scott Lawton is the kind of guy that those teams are going to go like they want right so mm-hmm. if the Flyers miss the playoffs and end up drafting 14th, well, what if the 10th overall or a ninth overall team is something like, I don't know, the wild or the devils, even one of those teams that's going for it, but somehow punted this season, what's more valuable to them now? A roster player or, um, you know, that draft pick. So then you kind of can look into, well, what if the Flyers trade up by sending one of these teams, their 14th or 15th overall pick, plus Scott Lawton to move up five or six slots. So that's, that's one of the main reasons I'm like, the ter- the guys with term, unless someone gives you an absolutely like blow your doors off, knock you, knock you on your ass offer, they might have more value in the off season, And the Flyers have the leverage to make teams wait, if that's the case. Um, the other reason is, of course, the cap. This is the last year that the cap is going to be as stagnant as it has been because the uh, escrow has been paid off from the pandemic uh, which basically was the owners were paying players their full salary even though there was less income because of pandemic restrictions they've paid all that back now which means the cap is going to start going up three to four million maybe annually if you're trading Rasmus Tristaline and his five point one million dollars contract at this deadline, that stagnant cap is really putting the like screws on uh, the contending teams. If you wait until the summer, when the cap goes up again and they have some more flexibility, maybe some contracts come off the books, maybe they make another trade to clear some space, you won't be you won't be accepting a lower than necessary offer just because of the way the cap has you know aligned itself.
0: Uh, I think that that's that's definitely a good point for for Ristolainen with with his 5 5.1 million cap. He's going to be a lot easier to move in, in the offseason. And like unless a team really wants him and really wants his physicality for the playoffs, I think they probably wa- rather wait for the offseason now cuz Ristolainen hasn't been playing. Yep. He's hurt. It's kind of a mystery injury. Like they're not yep. going to want to give up too much for him while also paying him with the flat cap like like you said and then they can wait to the offseason. Like flyers can do a deal there. It seems that seems like a possibility, but and then but also with the cap, I think that kind of goes against Scott Lauden. You know, having three million, it's like teams that want a Scott Lauden type. They want it like a third line center, a bottom six grinder guy. They can go out and get that in free agency for a similar price, money wise, without giving up a second round pick or an asset for them. Like looking at some mm. of these. Center for UFAs, you got Wenberg, Stevenson, Sean Monahan, Jack Roslevik, Teddy Bluger, Colin Black Blackwell, Thomas Novak, Max Domi. Like these, these are the type of guys you can probably pick up for three million or so without having to give up, you know, too many assets. So I think, I think if a team is willing to pay, I'd, I'd trade a lot for a first round pick. Probably not for a second straight up, but for maybe maybe a second and a third, or a second and a prospect, like something like that. I think Lawton is the guy that they have the most leverage to move right now because Mm. the center market is very weak and the center market in free agency. You know, there's kind of a lot of guys that are a similar level to to Lawton.
1: That's a fair point. Um, Yeah. I hadn't considered too much like what will be available in the free agency market. Also, those guys are nice, but guess what? They're not Scott Lawton. (laughs) And apparently GM's just, they love them some Scott Lawton, that, that glue guy, that locker room, uh, presence might I don't know if, I don't know much about Max Domi but I don't know if Max Domi's got that uh not just the lineup versatility but the um you know the charisma to be a leader in the locker room
0: yeah and, uh, yeah I mean Scott Lawton is uh, I guess uh, even though Scott Lawton's played in the playoffs hasn't won a I guess he did win a playoff series in, in 2020 in the bubble but like he hasn't doesn't have a lot of experience there but you know some sometimes teams trade for players like like the, uh, Brandon Hagel he's turned out to be great down there in yeah. Tampa after not make the playoffs with the Blackhawks but another thing there is that so if they are setting the table for a Risto trade in the offseason and they re-sign Walker at the deadline I don't know if that's then losing some leverage in the offseason because I go like okay you have Drysdale you have Ristolainen you have Walker I'm not going to pay up for Ristolainen if you you if you need to move him, like I, I see the position you're in, like Danny, like you, I'm not going to pay up for, for Risto here when I can go in free agency. You know, not too many right, right defensemen. It is hard to, harder to get defensemen in free agency, but I think that's definitely a possibility. So that's, you know, kind of playing, playing chess a little bit with, with Briere and Jones. If they elect to, to re sign Walker here without trading Risto or without having some sort of, not a handshake deal, but like at least a, a framework template. of a of a deal, yeah, a template yeah. Of, of a deal with with a team, maybe like the Leafs or or Tampa Bay for for the off season.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point too. Like, well, you've just log jammed your roster. I'd be doing you a favor by clearing a spot for your for your players. Um, and to be fair, I think Torts has said we view Travis Sandheim as a right side defenseman. Mm-hmm. So the Flyers have currently rostered in Torts's mind: Sanheim, Risto, Walker. Drysdale those are all right shot defensemen so you got four right now already um yeah uh that's a good point I don't think the Risto I don't think the Risto trade is going to happen anyway just because of the injury but even but if he were healthy you're you're bringing me around on doing it now even if the return wasn't as uh splashy
0: yeah, I just I just think that I mentioned it last show. Like this is the this deadline is gonna be the most leverage that the Flyers have. And it's a matter of if Briere and Jones can navigate it the way they want to. And like they have to hold firm like you mentioned last show. Like they're not gonna just just give up, give up their player for, for a low ball offer. They have to have to hold hold firm to what they have. But yeah. I think Trevor Sandheim is a right, right, right defenseman. Like we saw him try to be a top pair defenseman as a left as a, on the left side. That's not work out too well. Um, he, he's played 650 minutes with York. He's been, I think better with York there than with Drysdale. He's been decent with Samula, but I imagine he's been on the right side there as well. So yeah, I, I think Sandheim has to be on that top pair. Get, get York Sandheim back together. They they have them for the long haul for the next five years or so, get them, get some chemistry Figure out who you're going to play with Drysdale on, on the second pair. I'm not sure who would be ideal right now. You know, I don't know if you can put necessarily Z- Zamula there, or if you can put Stahl. I think Stahl's been playing with Drysdale a little bit recently Sealer, with Fristow out. Maybe Sealer. Ooh, I like Sealer's that. not I, bad. I, I'd also like to see if
1: Drysdale can find some level where he's not just getting caved in defensively. Maybe if they give Emil Andre a call up, I wonder if an Andre Drysdale pair would be, maybe not a long term solution, but that could be fun to watch.
0: Aren't they? Isn't Andre undersized a little bit? Five nine.
1: Yeah, but he's a like little cannonball a little, out there.
0: He's a little. He's like the the chemo team in the light, right? He's, exactly. Andre? Yep. Yeah. That that would be fun to see, but yeah, I didn't even think about Nick Sealer because like I, I figure in my head, if they trade Walker, they're trading Sealer with him, but. If they trade Walker and they re-sign Sealer and they have, you know, Sealer and Drysdale together, Drysdale is kind of that, you know, emergency blanket for for Drysdale, or or is the emergency blanket yeah. for Drysdale. And then, you know, put Drysdale, play that as a third pair if you have to. And like play him play that pair with your your third line of Cates and and Paling and you know, hopefully Forster can come back and get the defensive forwards out there with him. So like yeah. there there's some there's some uh some complimentary pieces there I think I think there are some pieces to go with but yeah I mean bringing up Steeler like it seems like it's a done deal they're going to resign him right like I can't imagine they trade him unless it's with Walker
1: well I I just go back to everybody freaking out about oh my god they're trying to find out how much it costs to resign Walker why <laughs> would you ask that and it's like well maybe the team you're trading him to is kind of interested in keeping him or would try to extend him and wants to know while negotiations are happening, hey, how much would it cost to sign this guy? Well, then Danny and Jonesy can be like, oh, it's going to cost you about this much. This is what his agent has set him at. We've had conversations around this price. You know, here, this is just the ballpark of where you'd be starting from. And I'm like, oh, that's good information to have. That's, you know, that's Brier and Jonesy's job to know that information. Um so I don't know if it's a foregone conclusion that they re-sign Nick Sealer, just because maybe they are just doing their due diligence. So that if another team is like, hey, we want this shot-blocking, mitts-dropping, hard-nosed defenseman on our team, how much is that going to cost us? The Flyers can be like, it'll cost you this much.
0: Yeah, I saw something on Reddit. I think last week that was like, "Who, who are the best shot blockers like in the league?" Like, like it looked he's at one. stats. He's number one. Yeah, not not, <laughs> not only in terms of like the most blocks, but like the percentage of blocks or whatnot. Like, he's good and he will block any shot you ask him to on the penalty kill. He he can even snipe a few goals as as you saw on Saturday night. So, yeah, he's a piece that I think I'd rather keep Sealer than give him up for like a a fourth or fifth rounder. But you know, if he can be a sweetener, you know, I, I don't mind giving him up necessarily um too much there another thing with with the walker like this is this is a leak like somebody told jeff Merrick and elliot friedman about this there's always Purposely. some sort of there's always some sort of agenda coming out of it wh- whether it's you know the 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 agent leaking it to try to Get a better market for their player, or the Flyers are leaking it to try to you know tell tell the buyers like, hey, we might resign this guy. I'm Mm -hmm. serious. You got you guys got to pony up your offer. So you always have to like read between the lines a little bit of like, okay, who is saying this? Who does this benefit? And what is the ultimate like downside of this? And like. The Flyers considering to re-sign a defenseman that they might get lowballed loadball, for is not necessarily a bad thing. They can't just be like, "All right, he, he's gonna he's going no matter what." It doesn't matter what you want to to sign for, like especially if he is like we. I don't know if we've heard a lot about like is is he gelling well with his locker room? Is he a big like leader in the locker room? Like we don't know that, and that's something the Flyers are definitely valuing. But I, I do agree with you that this is most likely doing the due diligence, and Walker will be moved after Tanev is. Also, I'm not sure if it's even a
1: leak. People, like, very they very publicly met with Walker's agent at the Maple Leafs game. Like, it was, like, because his agency is based out of Toronto, so Jonesy and Briere met with his agent while mm. in Toronto, and it was, like, people just saw them talking to each other. It wasn't like they were trying to have this, like, little, you know, hush-hush, underground Illuminati-style meeting to try and figure out oh, how much is Sean Walker going to cost us to resign, Like, they're not they're not shy about it. So, um.
0: yeah, I mean, that, that conversation could have been about everything, but anything. But I guess like saying that, oh, we were just kind of negotiating with them is, is the best thing to say, because like you could be like, OK, Sean, where do you want to go? We have offers from these teams like where these teams are in the running. Like we just want to keep you updated. Like could just been like a check in how are you feel before the deadline. Like it could have just been been anything. But the fact that that came out is probably coming from one side or the other.
1: And you brought it up, you know, checking in with the players. John Tortorella, baby, he's going in and talking to his players that he that are, you know, swirling in these deadline rumors. And he's at the, you know, he's being open with them, like, "Hey, doors open. You might be traded. What do you, what are we what do you want to talk about?" Like, I kind of like that transparency of uh, these players. You know, they see the rumors, but they're hearing from the coach. Uh, I don't know what he's telling them. Maybe he's like, hey, keep playing well, because the better you play, a better contender is going to come and get you and you could go win a Stanley Cup, something like that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how you motivate a hockey player.
0: Yeah, it's it's just being being transparent and being upfront about everything. And that's been very refreshing about this organization as a whole since Briere took over and they hired Jones in the past almost calendar year now after Chuck Fletcher was booed off the stage after not making any <laughs> trade deadline <laughs> trades. But yeah, I mean, Tortorella, you know, he, he asked, he asked Pierre if he could talk to him, Th- Thomas on brush street hockey, wrote this up on um, uh, today here. Tortorella said, I've seen it happen in other organizations where people are talking about you, but no one's really talked to you within the organization. Then bang, you're moved. So like mm-hmm. Tortorella wants the players to know where they stand, wants to show them respect. Cause that's kind of what the flyers are building here. And that's something I love to see. It's not, it's not chuck fletcher it's not ron hexdall with no communication it's it's this triumvirate just triumvirate, just being very forthright about what's happening and it, it it is exciting even though there are kind of some um some some iffy spots here and there
1: largely positive so far you know um, but yeah i i still kind of want to see walker and sealer moved together to the same team because it would just be so fun to see an entire defensive pair get moved to a new team, um, I wonder how that would work out. too. just like, do they play the same way they've been playing here? Do they have to adapt to that new system, and it throws off their their alignment? Like Sealer Walker have been very good together, and part of that is playing under Torts' system.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if they end up in a new system, will they still play as well together? You know, but Hey, if, if the two of them move together brings back a better asset, fucking do it. Pull the trigger. Give me, give me, I don't know, Isaac Howard from Tampa Bay or Wyatt Johnston from, da- they won't trade, Don- they won't trade Wyatt Johnston, but oh,
0: your ideas are always pie in the sky. And I absolutely love it. John. Huge. I love give it. me, give me Stutzla. Give me Wyatt Johnston. Give me
1: these, give me these young studs. We need them. Um. I'd settle for Logan Stankovin or maybe even Maverick Burke, depending on the situation. That's, I, I just keep coming back to Dallas because they have so many assets to move with at this deadline. Um, other contenders like Tampa, they have no picks left. Uh, who else? The Avs. Well, they're not really looking for a defenseman. Uh, the Jets do have some picks, I think. Vancouver already traded some of their picks. Like, you know... that. Dallas just has so much to work with that I think a a good deal could get done there.
0: Yeah. And Stankovan, I think I saw today was called up to potentially make his debut with, um, I think do Shane's out or somebody for, for the stars. Yeah. So, and yeah, I I think, you know, trading sealer and Walker together just makes sense. It, 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 there are teams that would love to add a third pair that has a ton of chemistry that can play together that, you know, sealer plays the penalty kill walker can play penalty kill or help out on the second power play as well they mm-hmm. have the chemistry they're they're coming together so it's not like bringing one guy into a new locker room you have a built-in buddy there that, that you know you can buddy with on, on road trips and whatnot but yeah looking at, at the flyers defensive pairings york and drysdale were, were together apparently i'm not sure if this is from practice today uh yeah according to jordan hall from monday's practice apparently they rotated a little bit yeah um yeah so yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing you know York Sandheim, Stall Drysdale or Sealer Drysdale Sealer doesn't get moved and then you know bring up somebody from the AHL to uh to play with Stall or bring up two guys from the AHL to play on the third on the third pair. I think at, at that point, if the Flyers sell multiple pieces at the deadline, I don't care if they make the playoffs. Just just do right by the deadline, set this team up for success in, for in the next few years, and you know playoffs are going to be a bonus. And
1: get a cup of get a cup of coffee for some of these uh prospects in the minors you know um i also just want to like uh for jamie drysdale i think we should be a little bit easier on him just in general because he is he has been bad defensively he was real bad in anaheim and it wasn't just him that whole team was a disaster a disaster defensively so for the first like three or th- two or three years of his career he has just been playing on an awful defensive team with what seems to be a coaching staff that has no idea how to um to coach him and i know they i know they got a new coach in anaheim this year but you got to remember that drysdale was out for most of the season and he missed training camp because of contract negotiations Mm -hmm. so he only played 10 games with this current anaheim ducks team before getting traded the flyers So the last time he was playing regular minutes was with the previous Anaheim coach, uh, and that team was the worst in the league last season. Uh, But then, of course, the Chicago Blackhawks won the lottery because got to have an original six team with a generational prospect. But so I, we just got to give Drysdale time. This year is almost a write-off in a Mm -hmm. sense. Like the rest of the season, he is going to be hopefully better, but probably not great and now he knows what this coaching staff expects of him and what to work on in the offseason when it's time to train and shit he's got his buddy cam york here they can stay in town and stay at the joel farabee house and have a have a have a good time he did get a, a bed right he that was a whole saga that uh, drysdale didn't have a bed and he was sleeping on a futon and stuff yeah. um but yeah i I'm kind of taking an approach to Drysdale that I took to Ferriby last season, where I was like, he didn't get a proper off-season of training, um, he was in a new system, and by the end of last year, he was starting to look like himself again. And then this year, he's just been dynamite. So I'll give I'll give Drysdale a pass for the rest of the season as long as he isn't like horrific.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a great part. We can obviously like. When he if he has bad plays we can call him out and you know say he's playing poorly but I'm not gonna put too much stock into this season like since the start of last season he's played a total of uh, what 32 NHL games like 24 this year eight last year he had a ton of injuries change in system change in coaches no training camp as you mentioned so. Yeah, and yeah, this offseason, you know, he, he's gonna he also did not have the training camp with, with the Flyers where, you know, everyone else knew what to expect with torts, everyone else had just had that uh conditioning and whatnot. So the bag getting, skate.
1: Yeah, he's gonna it,
0: get the bag skate. <laughs> bring out the rope. Yeah, Bring out the rope, baby. Yeah, Drysdale, yeah, Drysdale having York is gonna be great too. York's been much better now in in the uh in this in this second season under Tortorella. He mentioned him him earlier last week. Saying, like, you know, he didn't know what he was. He didn't know if it was an NHL defenseman at the, the end of last season. And this this season, he's been great great both ways. Great offensively, great defensively. So, yeah, the rest of the season, get Drysdale on the top power play unit. It looks like the top unit's going to be uh, Konechny, Frost, Farabee, Tippett, and Drysdale. Uh, that is probably who should be there. I, I kind of like that there. So, put him on the power yeah. play. Let him take his licks defensively. Let him learn. That's what these next few years are for, especially for uh, what He's still, still 21. He turns 22 In April, so yeah, he's gonna has a bright future ahead of him. Still a few years away from prime.
1: Yeah, Um, I just looked up Cam York's stats because I was like, like you said, Torts didn't think he was a defenseman last year. Now he's like, he's probably our best defenseman (laughs) right now, or Mm -hmm. something like that, right? Um, In 54 games last year, he had 20 points and 69 nice blocks. 44 hits um, in 56 games this year. He's a little slower at 18 points, but he has 101 blocks and 48 hits. So the defensive side of his game is way better, way better than it was last season. Um, also, he has six goals this year instead of two. I didn't realize that uh, he's turning into a goal scorer for us. Let's go.
0: Yeah, and like you can see it on the ice, and like in, in his confidence and in, in his usage, he's up to up to tw- almost twenty two <clears throat> minutes a game. Twenty one forty four, he's averaging nineteen thirty nine last year, so he's getting tougher minutes, tougher competition, and he's he's flourishing in it. Like I mean, he's doing well. Yeah, uh, yeah, he, he may not be the, the offensive dynamo that people may have thought when he was drafted fourteenth overall, but you don't need that, especially if he's going to be paired with with Drysdale. Like he can be the be the shutdown quote unquote guy with Drysdale being the being the rover.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad to see he was not seriously injured after that hit in um I think it was Toronto. But yeah. you just brought up an interesting point and I want to pitch something to you cuz I've been thinking about this. Um you know how the league is moving towards tandems with goaltenders? Yes. Like that what if because of the because of expansion and stuff, what if top defensive pairs move toward that kind of system? Like imagine the Flyers don't ever get that true number one, like Victor Hedman or Cam McCarr or like peak era Drew Doughty, or like one of those, no doubt about it, all situations, number one defenders, but they have two top pair guys who can eat minutes are very good at five on five. One of them just happens to be a little bit more defensively conscious and is a PK specialist. And the other one is more offensively oriented and runs power play one. Like, if that if there's more of a distribution of responsibilities among the two top pair, is that good enough, or is that still not enough to contend uh, going forward?
0: I think that that's definitely a, a good idea. I mean, you may still need not necessarily like a number one, top five, top ten defenseman in the league, but like a future Hall look, of Famer, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like looking at the Golden Knights, like their their top defenseman is Alex Petrangelo, who you know he's good, but like he's, he's good. not he's not i'm not sure if he'd say top 510 in the league but they have second pair McNabb, theodore alec martinez is there like they had three solid pairs and like i think if it's if it's a 1a 1b situation rather than being you know two second pairs it's one playing above their head Mm -hmm. like i think that may be better than having like a you know definite top pair and then kind of a shaky second pair because then you can match them up easier like especially in the playoffs you need that teams are going to have at least two scoring lines, you need two pairs you can rely on. And then a third pair, you can maybe shelter a little bit. So yeah, if you can with the, and with the way the flyers seem to be building their, their prospect cupboard here, like that's something that they could definitely do in coming years with Bonk with, with Mel Andre with, with all these defensemen coming up, like, and if not um, they could just, you know, package them together in a trade for somebody that, that they need a top tier talent. So yeah. I think the flyers are in a good spot and yeah, I, I would love to see, you know, just have, have two Really strong uh, defensive pairs there.
1: Yeah. Um, No, I I was kind of like brainstorming this and I was going through recent cup winners and I'm like, all right, who is the last cup winner that didn't have like a decisive number one? And I was like, Mm. oh, (laughs) that's not a great experiment for the Flyers because, you know, Alex Pietrangelo, he's very good. I don't know. Mm. He, He is. Yeah, he's definitely a top pair guy, but again, not like, Super number one. Um, but then before that, you have mccar Uh, then you have two years of Victor Hedman. You have Pietrangelo again because he was with mm-hmm. the St. Louis Blues. Uh, and then I guess John Carlson was he the Capitals defenseman? Yeah. That doesn't yeah. smack me as like a number one all situations guy. Um, and then before that, you have Latang for two years, mm-hmm. uh, Duncan Keith, Drew Doughty. Um, yeah so i i don't know but as the league's talent gets more diluted through expansion and whatnot which you know isn't a criticism of expansion i love having more teams it is fun um i wonder if defense i wonder if defense goes a similar way as goaltending is going where the responsibility is a little bit more evenly distributed than we're accustomed to seeing.
0: yeah i think depth is definitely going to be important i mean it's already important right now like you like the 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 difference, the difference between these teams are so small that like having an extra, extra line, having that extra depth is definitely, definitely going to make an impact. Definitely going to be the difference there. And yeah, the, to, to win a Stanley Cup, they say you need like a number one center, number one defenseman, number one goalie, and like you know, you we went over, you just went went through the Cup winners. They all had a number one defenseman. They all had at least you know the top line forward. So I think that is still the goal. But it, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw some team you know with just Two or three good pairs, not necessarily like a Norris Trophy candidate or, or a top guy, like win the cup in the next few years. Like, like if Carolina does it this year or next year, like Jacob Slavin's their top top guy. Like they, they're a team that builds through depth there as well. So I think that, that that's a, a good point you brought up.
1: Yeah, um, I uh, I was going to do the same experiment with the one C, and I was like, oh nope, <laughs> definitely not, definitely not going to work on that one. Uh, Jack Eichel. He's he's pretty good, I hear. Yeah. Um, made yeah. of glass, but still pretty good. Um Nathan McKinnon, I mean that's that's just crazy. Yeah. Uh Braden Point is very good. Um Ryan O'Reilly. I was gonna say Ryan O'Reilly in his prime, but he's still killing it with the Predators right now. It. He's still yeah. killing it. Um uh Nick Backstrom was phenomenal. Yeah, uh, and, and, and then
0: Kuznetsov killed at that that playoffs too they they had real two two top centers there
1: yeah like the Crosby Malkin one two punch for the penguins uh yeah. for the kings they had Kopitar mm-hmm. and then the Blackhawks had Jonathan Taves right yeah. yes. was he actually like that good
0: he was at, yes he,
1: he was that he good he was that good yeah. okay
0: yeah yeah he he was a perennial selkie candidate like up there with Bergeron and Kopitar and yeah he was he was yeah. that good Hitman Kane were Annoyingly good, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, speaking of speaking of the Blackhawks here, we got the uh, the Flyers against the Blackhawks in Chicago on mm-hmm. Wednesday night. TNT game. It's going to be a, I think a seven thirty start there. Um, one more thing though, Tyson Forster was practicing. I saw. Oh, yeah. I Jordan Hall tweeted that you know they could be aiming for a Saturday return because he is still in the non contact jersey, so getting him back would, would definitely help for a big uh, weekend set against the Rangers and Penguins or at least for one of those games. But uh how are we feeling about Wednesday? night? you still still got trap game in, in your mind or are you not going to not going that way? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, if if someone could just play like the audio of Marge Simpson giving that mm-hmm, groan, that's <laughs> like exactly where I'm at right now. Um I did not Think they would miss Tyson Forrester as much as they have because he might not have been producing the points, but his defensive impact was unreal. Um, and mm. now the Flyers are getting lit up, and I'm wondering hmm, how much of that is like not having Tyson Forrester in the lineup. Do we know exactly what happened? Like, we know it was a foot injury, but clearly it must not be broken if he's like only going to be out for like two weeks.
0: Yeah, I guess it's probably like a bruise or a swelling that they're waiting Intuition. to go down, maybe or yeah, some something. not some, one of those words that they that they use. Yeah. Um but yeah, I, missing Forster, like it really does impact the Flyers' depth. Like looking at their bottom six, Palin Cates Hathaway is the third line, Delaurier Lawton Lixell is the fourth line. Like replacing Forster with DeLaurier, essentially, who only plays five to ten minutes a night. Right is uh is, is not good not good for also the defense there. that they haven't
1: even been running 12 forwards they've been running nope. 11 <laughs> like it, it, it's been yeah they've swapped forrester for delorier but they're also running their forwards even more ragged because now delorier is only playing for five minutes a night um yeah, yeah and then zamula i guess is the seventh although i don't see him on daily face off right now he must be having like a maintenance day or something
0: I don't think they list the seventh on Taylor Face because they only have a spot for six. Because most teams go 12-6. Most teams go through normal 12-6 and have 12 forwards that they can play.
1: Anytime I've seen it as a 11-7, they have one of the defensemen as the fourth line yeah. right wing. <laughs> and I'm oh. like, oh God, do we have to keep doing this? Because like, it's worked okay. But again, coming up on the trade deadline, best way to fix that is to trade someone off the blue line. Um, Mm -hmm. no, I, I just, I wonder how exhausting it has to be where you run 11 forwards. One of them's Nick Delorier. He's going to sit for 15 minutes because he's taking a fighter and an instigator. And then even when he's on the bench, he's only going to be out there for like three or four minutes a night. So you're running 10 forwards and seven defensemen.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. I want to maybe. see more of more of Ali Lixell. Like he he's he's been good in the AHL past two years, seventy three yeah. points in eighty six games. I think he only played four or so minutes in that Coyotes game. I don't know if he that turnover he had in, in the Ooh, defensive zone maybe bad. Uh, has him in the doghouse. But yeah, I'd rather you know see what you have there rather than play DeLaurier. But maybe that's going to be a you know after a deadline we'll, we'll see what happens
1: post deadline or once the playoffs are like not an option. I guess um turn the rest of the seasoning into a fact-finding mission. Right. Mm-hmm. Part of me it just popped in my head, I'm starting to wonder maybe towards maybe they're trying to run this 11-7 because they want the defensemen to be more aggressive in the zone and because they're down a forward or two if Deloriers in the lineup. You know, it it would be encouraging for Drysdale or York or Sanheim to be like, "Hey, our forwards are run ragged." Get your ass up there and start driving the net. Get some offense going, um, but I, I don't know.
0: I think it also helps running eleven seven. Like if a defenseman makes a mistake, Torts can kind of bench him for a little bit. I don't know if that's happened. I haven't really looked at the, the time on ice logs, but not I can see that happening. Or like, or like if you know Stalls not on his game or Zamula's not on his on his game, like you know, not play him as much, and that doesn't give you down to five defensemen, which that,
1: you know, that's. That's what they were doing at the beginning of the season. I think after Cates went down with injury, they were running 11-7 because he wasn't, Torts didn't have confidence in Zamula, so he'd bring Mark Stahl just in case the like Igor Zamula didn't have it that night. So he'd throw, he'd throw Stahl out there and bench Zamula. Um, but ever since getting moved to the power play, Big Z has looked not too bad, not too out of place. So mm-hmm. he doesn't need to bring that in, smash in case of emergency Mark Stahl button anymore. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And, and Noah Cage is another guy that like, you didn't realize how much he impacted the flyers until, you know, he returned. Cause like he, it was good. Start of the year. He had a, had an injury and now he's back again. And like, he's only has eight points in 34 games, but like he he does definitely have a lot of uh, impact on the two way game.
1: Well, he was lousy to start the year. So I, that injury might've been the best thing that happened to him because it allowed him to get some time to recover from, I think another in- injury that he might've been dealing with. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, he, he's been able to split the season in two. Like, okay, before the injury, I was shit. I'm just going to forget about that. And now I can just pretend this is the beginning of my season and go out there and do the things I need to. Um, huh. I just looked up on a hockey reference and at quick overview, his faceoff game has improved significantly since last year. Like, Ooh. I'm happy to see that because they need him to get better at that if they want him to be a center. Um so yeah, speaking
0: was... of faceoffs I've noticed Konechny <clears throat> taking more specifically in the stadium series game it was a 4 on 4 and they put out Konechny with Tippett and Connectney took the faceoff it doesn't look that great really? cuz his faceoff percentage is 36 but like I've noticed him take take it when like Katori gets get kicked out too and like he he wins it sometimes well, I don't know if that's something they're kind of working on with him but
1: so I would imagine I think <sighs> How do I put this? I think the NHL changed the rules about what counts as like encroachment. And they're much more, like, refs have more leniency, like, leeway to kick people out of the face-off circle for smaller stuff. So I'm wondering if because, you know, TK is line mates with Coots, whenever gets Coots gets booted, TK is the one who just has to step in and do it. And it's happening more because the NHL has, like, changed the rules about it or something.
0: Just drop the puck. Drop the puck. Lines, just drop just... the <laughs> fucking puck.
1: Just like, like let's, let's, let's get this game going. Um, but I, I kind of like to see, oh, I got to look it up now. I wonder if Tyson Forrester's taken any face offs. Let's,
0: let's. Yeah. See.
1: Let me take a quick, quick peek. See at this. I don't cause...
0: think he's taken, taken many. Cause I think he's been on a line with,
1: you know, he at took least... one. He yeah. took one this season and he lost it. So, uh, yeah. no, the, the only reason I ask is cause, um, He played center as a junior, I think, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it might be kind of the way he plays defensively right now might be kind of interesting to see if they tried putting him at center, Um, which, you know, maybe maybe come the offseason, if Flyers trade out Morgan Frost or something else, maybe they maybe they give Forrester a shot at center.
0: Yeah, that'd be you know, they definitely need need more centers, especially centers with, you know, top line ceiling. And I think he has that. He has been one of their best players without scoring, you know, scoring too many goals. He still has what I think ten goals, I think he's on pace for you know, more than fifteen and he's still yeah. he's still like what, twenty one as well. So yeah, he he's someone yeah. that should only be with age. 22. Yeah. He's
1: got twenty one points, uh he's plus three, you know, that's not you know, I don't think he plays on the penalty kill too much, does he? He no. he's mostly power play and five on five. So mm. yeah, I'll take that. Nine point two shooting percentage. I uh, I have no idea what his AHL shooting percentage was, but I wonder if nine point two is low or average for him.
0: Take that. Take that look. I, I I also miss Bobby Brink in the lineup. I'm not sure what he's going to have to do oh. to get back up. If it's going to take an injury or mm-hmm. whatnot, but um. Looks like Tyson Forster last year shot fourteen percent, twenty goals on um one hundred fifty eight shots. I mean that's AHL goalies, it's AHL, AHL defensemen, defenseman, sure. less room and whatnot. But I think that that's probably decently what he's going to shoot at the NHL level, probably around ten hey, percent. I,
1: I believe it because in his eight game stint at the beginning of la, or the the beginning the end of last season, he was shooting twenty percent. So between nine point two and twenty is like fourteen point whatever. So yeah, him like shooting that. He just, just got to get used keep, to it.
0: Just keep shooting, yeah. Just keep. Just keep firing, it, it, bud. It, it'll come around for him.
1: Yeah, yeah. Have patience, folks. He's gonna get there. He's twenty-two. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. This Flyers team is still still quite young, and that that's what's that's what's so good about it. It's, it's they're winning. They're they're growing together, and hopefully they're gonna be able <laughs> to sell off some pieces and, and get some more young pieces.
1: And hopefully they'll take the Chicago
0: Blackhawks to the cleaners. Because, <laughs> oh boy. I... I I I do think they will. I think it's going to be a, a good road blowout. I'm not going to say the S word, but I could see it being like a four one five one type of win with you know Bedard scoring a highlight reel goal or two. But yeah, uh, the Flyers uh, are <laughs> minus two hundred favorites, which which implies odds of sixty six percent chance of winning. Just just for the uh, just uh, throw that in there.
1: I feel like that's the first time they've ever been the favorite to win a game. Like every game this season, they are. It, odds makers are like oh nope, not the flyers and then they win and it's like okay and then oh nope still not the favorite in this one That's just, just maddening to me no i i would love to see bedard score in michigan and i would love to have oh. the camera cut right to towards and see what his reaction is to it <laughs> and hopefully Joe farabee is sitting on the bench to be like see he can do it
0: why can i do it can i, I know do if madard's ever ever done a, a michigan oh no he, he did he, he did against the blues right okay
1: yeah and he it's important because uh about three hours later trevor zekris did the same thing right yes that was yeah. the
0: versus, may have been like his return from something I don't, know. I
1: don't know and then he was out again yeah
0: yeah uh you have any uh final score predictions for or goal score predictions for this black box yeah. game
1: oh jesus i imagine arison's gonna get the start they've had enough days off. They have a few more days off before this weekend.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Four-two Flyers.
0: Uh, that, that, that yeah, it's probably a good guess. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go five-one. Uh, two goals from from TK. Two from TK. And from TK. Ooh. Ooh. He yeah, he's punches.
1: He does. He also has to atone for that penalty in Jersey. Um, yeah. I'm gonna say. I've been I've been vouching for him for a few days now and he hasn't come through for me, but I still think Noah Cates is due. Um so I'm gonna say he gets at least one and I'm also gonna say I'm gonna say Travis Sandheim gets one after that Ooh. goal that got disallowed and stuff. I, I think he I think it's time for him to get back on the scoreboard. When was his last goal? Real goal, one that counted, not one that got yeah. taken off the board. Uh oh, Toronto. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I forgot he did just have one. All right, yeah, he's gonna get another one. He's 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 getting hot.
0: Yeah, he's heating up. The the Travi there are are gonna be good. I I, I like the Kate's pick too. Kate's gets to the dirty areas, gets to the front of the net. No one's gonna go in eventually. He's been around it so
1: much, like he's been around the net. He's been putting the pucks in the right spot. He's been in the right spot to clean up rebounds, but they're just not going. In and it's, oh, much like with Forrester, I'm like, you just, just keep just keep doing it, bud. Your underlying numbers are great. You're not going to shoot 4.8 for the rest of your season. Oof.
0: Yeah, looking at the individual it's expected goals per 60 at five on five on the Flyers, you got Tippett, sells there, you got Atkinson, Konechny, Couturier, and then Faraby and Cates and Forrester. So yeah, I mean, Cates is due for an uptick in scoring at some point give it to me yeah yeah um all right that's gonna do it for us make sure you are subscribed to the broad street hockey podcast on apple Podcasts and spotify uh leave us a five star rating and review and i'll read it here at the end of the show so make sure you are subscribed to the broad street hockey.com make sure you read everything there i got got a bunch of a bunch of free stuff up there also stuff for subscribers if you're not subscribed already, please do consider that. Also, get in the Discord if you're on the uh, $10 tier. That was good talks in there. And yeah, uh, Joe, and, uh, where can the people find you?
1: Well, they can find me on Twitter.x. whatever you want to call it. Uh, my handle is JFDMarini. And uh, on the just to reiterate the trade stuff, I should hopefully have an article coming by the weekend about why they should wait until the offseason to trade Risto and Lawton, although now I have some new things to think about after you've brought up like, oh, but then if they keep Walker and it's like, oh, you got to move Risto. But yeah. anyway, Gilbs, where can they find you?
0: You can follow me on Twitter at rgilbertsop. Um, I also co-host the Hockey Gambling Podcast, if you're into that type of stuff. What does the SOP stand for? I, I'm, I'm um, SOP stands for Sons of Pen. It was a, oh. a Flyers blog I started with uh, Steph, actually, back in 2015, I ran that until 2018. Then I got a full time job and couldn't really run it anymore. Now it's uh, now it's just memorized in my uh, my Twitter handle there. Uh, I haven't been able, haven't brought myself to change it yet. You know, Ah, loyal followers, no no sons of pen. So I'm gonna keep that until you know something changes. Definitely. All right. uh, Until next time. Thanks for listening.
1: Bye, folks.